0: Today is Wednesday, September the 21st, 2022. It's a great day to have a day from the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast. On the internet, on today's show, I first start with everything Shane Beamer had to say yesterday in his Tuesday press conference ahead of the Gamecocks game this weekend against the Charlotte 49ers. Guys, I give my full thoughts on everything Coach Beamer addressed. Also, it is Wednesday. We're talking gambling. Best bet for South Carolina CLT as well as SEC gambling picks for a packed week. For slate, also guys, we got a fantastic conversation with Michael Bratton of that SEC podcast. As we talk South Carolina football, SEC football, and much, much more, guys, we got a packed show for you here on this Wednesday. And of course, as always, it's brought to you by our friends over at Red Fox. Roofing Guys, Red Fox Roofing is a family-owned and operated residential roofing company born and raised in the Carolinas. They're proud South Carolina Gamecock fans servicing the local Columbia, Charleston, and most of the surrounding areas. They offer free inspections for storm damage, free same-day estimates for full roof replacements, and roof certifications for people getting ready to sell their homes. Also, guys, they know how important shingle quality is when it comes to your roof. That's why they use Atlas Shingles, which is the only shingle manufacturer on the market who's partnered with 3 and has a Scotch guard protection on their shingles. They offer a lifetime algae-resistant warranty that your roof will never have those ugly black streaks from algae buildup. Now, when it comes to the best possible pricing, they've got you covered there as well. Red Fox Roofing is willing to beat any written estimate and allows financing as well. They service every home as if it was theirs, and the retention of detail and customer service is truly what sets them apart. Guys, simply put, they always leave it better than they found it. Give them a call today at 843 843- that's 843-364-3023 for all of your roofing needs you can also find them on Facebook at Red Fox Roofing or if you have any questions go to their website at redfoxroof.com that's redfoxroof.com be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. let's get it Boys and girls, happy Wednesday, happy hump day. Hope you're all doing well. I'm Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs. Up as always, and we have got a packed show for you Here on this Wednesday, I hope this show does find you, where you are, what you are doing, and I'm very excited to chat with each and every single one of you. It's crazy. It feels like this week is flying by, and I feel like we get into such a groove and such a deep routine during the football season, right? The weeks look pretty similar from week to week, but the opponent changes, but uh, I just want to say thank you to you guys for the love, for the support. This has been yet another fantastic week and really excited to be back at at williams Bryce Stadium this weekend. Guys, on that note, before we get rolling, just a quick reminder, of course, the TSUS tailgate will be out at Seawells yet again this weekend, spot 78 in the paved parking lot, by the way. We are not the grass Seawells lot. We are the paved lot. So if you're looking at the actual Seawells building from the street, right, to the left of the building in the paved lot, That is where we are. You will see the TSUS and the Big Cock Club flags flying, guys. You absolutely cannot miss it. Now, out at that tailgate, I will have towels and koozies for sale, right? The Beamer Ball towels, the Beamer Ball welcome home koozies. Those will be for sale. Also, courtesy of our friends over at A1 Air Quality Consultants, we will have free koozies still to give away. We've got free swag, free merch. We've got merch for sale. So, again, really excited to be out there with you all. Yet again, I'm planning on getting out there around 2 or 3, somewhere in between there, probably, of course, kickoff at 7.30 on Saturday night. But, guys, really excited. To take in yet another TSUS tailgate at Wells spot 78, we are looking forward to it again, guys. All of the details can be found on social media, pinned to the top of all of our social media pages. That being said, guys, let's go ahead and rock and get into it. We're going to talk Shane Beamer's Tuesday presser as we do each and every single week, and everything Coach Beamer had to say ahead of this weekend's game. Against Charlotte. Now, of course, we normally start out with injuries. That's what we'll do. Good news for the Gamecocks offense as Corey Rucker, per Shane Beamer, was practicing on Tuesday afternoon. So maybe he is getting closer. Maybe he will be back this weekend and can help out this South kind of offense. Now, the rest of the injuries, guys like Cam Smith, uh, guys like Darius Rush, others that were out. It's a full list of dudes, and I'm sure we'll get more updates later in the week. R.J. Roderick, those are all still Questionable. So I don't have the names listed here, but everybody who came out of that Georgia game injured, they are all questionable for the game this week. And I would imagine a lot of those defensive guys who got nicked up will not play just because you'd like to think against Charlotte, you may not need them. But obviously, again, you hope all those guys can get back healthy. But I think if they're anything less than 100%, you hold them out, you don't play them. Um, A little bit of a different a different vibe here on this Wednesday, guys. In regards to the Tuesday presser takeaways, because Shane Beamer certainly on Tuesday did talk about a lot and dive into the offense and the offensive line. Right, he praised them, said they played a lot better than people were giving credit for, and nobody was talking about how good they looked and and this, that, whatever. But I have a unique vantage point, obviously, and a unique perspective doing what I do. And you know, we sit there every single Tuesday on the Daily Crow, and I stream Shane Beamer's presser, and I'm able. To see the comments right as they come in live while his press conference is going on, and I also sometimes see the YouTube comments, and of course I'm, I'm I'm tweeting the the quotes from Shane Beamer right. I'm doing that on the thing on Twitter, whatever, and I see all the replies and everything, and the banter and the chatter. And my biggest takeaway from the Tuesday presser this week is that talk is cheap without wins, in, in the sense of. Fans don't really care a whole lot what you have to say when you're coming off of a 41-point loss, right? I mean, you can talk about love your brother above all else. You know, we're not that far off. We're getting closer. And that's great, right? Again, of course, guys, I'm 110% behind Shane Beamer. I don't even feel like I have to say that at this point. You guys already know that. But uh, Shane Beamer, what he's feeling right now, no coach is immune from. And that is the pressure that you feel when you are not producing, especially offensively, and when you are not winning. And not just when you're not winning, but when you get blown out by an SEC East rival, right? All that talk and everything, it's like, even if it's true and it's positive and Beamer staying on brand to himself, nobody really wants to hear it, right? That talk really doesn't mean a whole lot when you are not Winning, So it all comes down to, right, you could talk all the positive things you want, all that talking season nonsense, but if you're not winning games on the field, that is the only thing that's going to bring back any sort of warm and fuzzy feelings and feel good. Heck, we saw it last year in year one of Shane Beamer, right, guys, while they were navigating through and beating Vanderbilt by a point and getting blown out to Texas A&M and all that. You didn't start to feel good about the season until you beat a Florida, until you beat Auburn. So you beat North Carolina in the Mayo Bowl and then everything was fine and dandy going into the preseason. But, uh, you know, w- when you're going through this thing, right, the emotional ups and downs, the emotional roller coaster, if you will. And I just noticed that yesterday, man, in Shane Bimmer's press conference that, you know, he he's saying a lot of great things. And but it's almost like it's almost like, you know, looking at you guys reaction, right, the fan reaction when he's saying the things he's saying. It almost becomes more annoying to fans when you're not winning, <laughs> right? Because it's like they wanted to come out, you know, you guys wanted to come out and fire Marcus Satterford. You guys wanted to come out and throw Marcus Satterford under the bus. You guys wanted to come out and be so brutally honest, and I hear you. I get it, right? But we all know coach speak. Coach speak. They're not going to do that. So all that talk and stuff is great, and uh, when you're going into the season opener, and you know everybody's just hanging on every word. Oh yeah, I mean I, rah rah rah! I love everything you're saying. I'll oh, just keep going, keep going. Like we eat it up, right? We eat up the preseason talk. We eat up talking season. We uh, we eat up the press conferences and the and the call in shows and everything Coach Beamer has to say. And that's all great. Again, we all support Coach Beamer. I support Co- Coach Beamer 120. percent But it's just it's interesting to see you know, from my vantage point to see all the chatter and the banter. And, you know, you can have the greatest program in the world. You can love your brother. You can graduate your players. You can do this. You can do that. But it really means nothing without winning. Without winning, all that other stuff means nothing. And that's the truth. I don't care who you are. You can try to spin it any way you want. But in this world of college football, That's all it comes down to. So I say all that to say that Shane Bieber said a lot of great things yesterday in that Tuesday press conference. But there's nothing really that I look at and see as earth shattering anything. Oh, that, you know, I'm clinging to that as that's going to turn things around. That makes me feel a lot better. The only thing that's going to make folks feel better at this point is winning and not just even winning, especially over the next two weeks. But scoring a lot of points in doing so. You, you gotta go do it on the field. You can talk all you want during the week. You can, you can be as positive as you want. You could say this, you can say that. But at the end of the day, it's what you do on Saturdays. And they've got an opportunity, of course, this weekend, the next weekend to build some confidence, to win big. It starts this weekend, of course, against Charlotte, but you just got to go do it. Cause I think fans are getting to a point already, already at a point where it's like, The talk is cheap. We just want to see wins. We just want to see points scored. Show me, don't tell me. That's where I feel like most of y'all are at right now. So anyways, that's my thoughts on the Tuesday press conference. Guys, we'd love to hear from you. Am I off base, by the way? I don't think I am, and I don't think that's too harsh at all. I mean, listen, this is college football, man. The pressure is immense. I've I've voiced my feelings on Shane Beamer many times, guys. I'm being patient with Coach Beamer, patient with this program. I think Coach Beamer needs time to build. I I think any conversations around – his job status are are insane at this point. They're insane. It's 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 silly, right? But even even the most adamant beamer supporters, it's like it gets exhausting and it wears on you like, coach, let's just go win. To hell with the talk, to hell with this positivity. Let, let's just go win. Let's win. That's the only thing that's going to make me feel better, right? That's how most everybody feels at this point. So anyways, I'm sure they'll get it turned around. I'm sure they'll get it figured out. But uh, it's just interesting seeing from my vantage point that I feel like you guys and folks are getting a little worn out in regards to the talk. Because talk is cheap without wins. Guys, let's dive into the gambling side of things. Of course, it is Wednesday. We're talking best bet for South Carolina, Charlotte, as well as our SEC gambling picks for the weekend. We will start with the best bet, and uh, I fell to one and two after last week. Three straight weeks we played the under, it went one and two, and we were close. Listen, we were close last week. We were close. I really thought the Gamecocks defense was going to play better, but uh, the over under was at 52. Hey, if you got it at 56, by the way, you won, right? Because the total ended up at 55, but I'm not going to play it that way. I could say, well, you know, the total went up, and now nah, listen, I took it at 52, I was riding it at 52. I lost my bet. So we sit at one and two on the best bet. Gamecocks in this game against Charlotte, 22 point favorites as it sits right now. The over under, that's what's interesting about this one. The over under has jumped. I think it opened at like 65. It's now at 69 and a half. It was at 68 yesterday. So this total is climbing as we speak. But again, the Gamecocks, three touchdown favorites, uh, the biggest spread of the season in favor of South Carolina. And I look at this game, I can go I can go ahead and tell you guys, I'm not playing the total. I'll go ahead and spoil it. I'm not playing the total. What's interesting about this ball game, though, right, coming off of that blowout loss to Georgia, a lot of people are down and out and feeling some type of way and in their emotions, throwing in the towel, season's over, fire Satterfield. You know, I see the comments of, man, we'll be lucky to even score 22 points in this game. This team's terrible, blah, 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 blah. I look at South Carolina right now from the gambling perspective, right? I look at South Carolina kind of like a stock where you want to buy low and sell high, right? And that's how I view the Gamecocks in this ball game. You look at Charlotte, just beat Georgia State by the way over the weekend, 42 to 41, who South Carolina really struggled to beat in week 1 in their season opener. But you look at the statistics for Charlotte. Dead last nationally. In total defense, they rank near the bottom in points per game, giving up like 45 points per game. Listen, guys, I understand the Gamecocks have not looked great. They looked abysmal against Georgia, but Charlotte and Georgia in regards to the defense, in regards to talent, in regards to their entire football team, they could not be more of polar opposites right and i think this is a line that should probably be around 28 29 30 i think charlotte is that bad but the gamecocks i think are being undersold because everybody's so doom and gloom down and out oh man you know we we're just no good we can't score i'm not saying south carolina is going to go out there and score 70 this weekend i know i'm sort of spoiling my prediction with this spread pick but like i said buy low Sell high. I love the Gamecocks to cover this 22-point number, guys. And I know South Carolina, here's the thing. I know South Carolina has injuries on the defensive side. There's probably a couple of guys that will not play this weekend. That is the only thing that maybe scares me in this one. Again, there's a reason the total is climbing, and it's at 69.5. With that being said, I, I, I just – I think South Carolina, the way Georgia moved the Gamecocks around, and the way Georgia was just able to, you know, be very surgical and do whatever they wanted to the Gamecocks defense, I think South Carolina will be able to do that to Charlotte. I I really do. I really do. And I, I understand how it's looked at this point, it's been ugly. But I think this is a desperate Gamecocks team. Their backs are against the wall offensively. It's not just about winning. They know they've got to go out there. They've got to look impressive. Night game are the lights at Willie B. I do think this is a football team that will be motivated. And simply put, guys, it's just a huge, huge mismatch for a Charlotte defense that has been overwhelmed all season Long, So I'm not locking in a score prediction right now necessarily, but I do think the Gamecocks, I love them on that number. Um, buy low, sell high. Like I said, the Gamecocks have been undervalued greatly in this one. Give me South Carolina minus 22, hammer it. I really, truly think this is free money in this one. So again, that's my best bet for Carolina and UNCC. Give me USC to cover the point. Spread. Guys, that being said, let's move into SEC gambling picks for a packed week four slate of SEC football. We'll first start in Athens, the number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs, who we just saw take on the Kent State Golden Flashes. Georgia is a 45 and a half point favorite. Guys, Georgia's red hot. They're the best team in the country. I, I tell you this the-, the only thing that I question is we saw this against Sanford had the running clock in the fourth quarter, right? Georgia took out their starters. I don't think it'll matter. I think UGA covers 45 and a half. I think they will blow the doors off of Kent State. Give me Georgia. I think they want style points in this one. I think they win big, cover 45 and a half. Let's move to Neyland where college game day is in Knoxville. Tennessee taking on Florida. The Vols are a 10 and a half point favorite. I do think Tennessee wins this game. I think it's much closer than 10 and a half. Give me the Gators to cover plus 10 and a half, but Tennessee will win outright. We already talked Gamecocks. They will cover the 22 against Charlotte. Let's move to Lexington, Kentucky. The eighth ranked Wildcats taking on Northern Illinois. UK is a 26 and a half point favorite. UK is most definitely going to win this game. and Northern Illinois is a team that just lost to Andy by double digits. But UK has not been playing good football, that they have not. This is there, I believe last week, yeah, last weekend without Chris Rodriguez. Um, I think that run game struggles. Yet again, we're talking about a run game that averaged 2.9 yards per carry against Youngstown. Kentucky gets the win. It's not some huge flashy W. Northern Illinois will cover that 26.5-point number. Auburn taking on the Missouri Tigers. Auburn a 6.5-point favorite on the Plains. Mizzou stinks. I understand Auburn just looked terrible against Penn State. I think they take care of business at home. Give me Brian Harson's squad to cover six and a half. Uh, Texas A&M taking on Arkansas at Jerry World. The Aggies are two and a half point favorites, which is just, what is this A&M team, right? You lose to App State. You beat Miami on your home field. Making Arkansas two and a half point dogs in this one. Very, very interesting. I, I'm buying into Sam Pittman. I'm I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. Again, A&M, a two and a 25 point favorite. I don't know why. I love the Hogs. Woo pig suey plus two-and-a-half and take Arkansas on the money line. Alabama taking on Vanderbilt. Poor Vandy got to go to Tuscaloosa. The Crimson Tide are a 40-and-a-half point favorite. Vandy's had an incredible season at this point, guys. They've already hit their Vegas over-under win total. That Cinderella season ends in Tuscaloosa Bama will easily cover that 40 and a half point spread. I think Bryce Young still kind of wanting to get going. He hasn't looked great at this point. I think it'll get clicking against the Commodores. Let's move to start. Well, Mississippi state taking on Bowling Green. The Bulldogs are a 29 and a half point favorite. I think Mississippi state uh, will use that air raid. They'll score a ton. They'll ride um, or bounce back. I should say, excuse me, that tough loss in Baton Rouge against LSU. I think they cover 29 and a half points all over the field. Old Miss taking on Tulsa. Rebels, 20 and a half point favorite in this one in Oxford. I like Old Miss. They're going to score. They're going to score a lot. Give me the Rebels, minus 20 and a half. And then finally, LSU at Death Valley taking on New Mexico. The Tigers are a 30 and a half point favorite. A little bit of a hangover after that Mississippi State game. I like New Mexico plus 30 and a half. LSU obviously wins. 30 and a half is too much, though. Give me the Lobos plus. 30 and a half. So guys, that's my SEC gambling picks for week four. And by the way, they are brought to you, speaking of gambling, by our friends over at Price Picks. Go download the Price Picks app, go to pricepicks.com. When you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Guys, I've been, I've been talking lines. I've been talking totals. We talk future bets. Prop plays is another fantastic way to make money. With our friends at Price Picks. Guys, Price Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. Here's how it works you pick two to five players, you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi entry, guys. It's literally just you against the projection. Price Picks allows mixed sport entries. So, for example, you can take the over on Spencer Rattler passing yards, parlay with the under on Mahomes, parlay with the over on LeBron. You can do any sport. And of course, we love Price Picks because college sports. You can play those every single week. And they also have a slick, easy-to-use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play, and they're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with rave reviews. Guys, again, that's our friends over at Price Picks. Go download the Price Picks app. Go to prizepix.com. When you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Let's break the bookie this college football season. And again, we appreciate our friends over at Price Picks for their love and support of the Spurs Up Show. Guys, hey, that's going to do it for me. Appreciate you all tuning in. The gambling picks in the books, our best bet in the books, and my full takeaways from everything Shane Bimmer had to say on Tuesday. And I'd love to hear your thoughts. Again, am I off base with what I said about his, uh, his comments? I mean, I don't think so. I think it all comes down to winning, and I think you'll have a great opportunity to do that this weekend, next weekend, and then you'll go into Lexington for a pivotal game against the Kentucky Wildcats. But let us not lose sight that it starts this weekend under the lights at williams Bryce Stadium, and I cannot wait to see you all out there Yet again, guys, hey, again, that's all from me, but don't go anywhere. We have got a great conversation upcoming talking South Carolina football, SEC football. We brought the best in the business onto the show. Cannot wait for you guys to hear it again. Thank you all so much. Appreciate it. Hey, we'll see you out at Seawells on Saturday. Of course, in the meantime, Daily Crow every single day. Uh, Podcast will yet again drop on Friday as we preview and break down and predict this Charlotte game going to be a ton of fun. Guys, thank you all so much. Appreciate you all tuning in. Have a fantastic rest of your Wednesday. And enjoy this conversation with Michael Bratton of That SEC Podcast. All right, guys, joining us today on the Spurs Up show. He's a friend of the show. I actually went on his airwaves last week, so really excited to continue the conversation talking sec football and of course gamecocks football michael bratton you guys probably know him better as sec mike of that sec podcast mike what's going on my friend i appreciate first you having me on your airwaves last week the conversation was extremely enjoyable and obviously i appreciate you now returning the favor and coming on the show what's going on hey chris thanks for having me and
2: yeah, we've kind of done a 180, haven't we? I mean, we were <laughs> not that we were picking South Carolina last weekend, but we were optimistic. Maybe an upset could happen. And now, as uh, Shane Beamer likes to say, it's doom and gloom. Nobody can coach there in Columbia. We're the worst damn team in the SEC. You know, let's look past the fact that we just played by far the best team in the country in, in Arkansas. Which I know they they had a mishap there against Missouri State, but I still think they're they're the biggest threat to Alabama in the West. So. Hey, I, I'm not jumping off the ledge, but that's life in the SEC. You drop these games in historic fashion, everybody sucks, fire them, let's move on. But uh, it, it's going to be pretty wild to see how South Carolina rebounds this next couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, Mike, and I, I feel like, you know, I, I can speak for myself. I, I went in the Georgia game with very realistic expectations. Heck, this is a team I picked to start one and two. But as you know, Mike, you know, when you're picking games, especially for for a fan base in the preseason and you just put a record on something, you say, oh, that's okay, You know, whatever. The the emotions aren't there. But when you're going through it on a weekend, week out basis. Right. You can pick one and two over the summer. Like, okay, that makes sense logically. But then when you endure it. Right. The emotions are running. And so this team is exactly where I picked to be through three weeks but I'm not exactly sure it's looked the way I thought it would. And even Saturday's game, I mean, heck, I picked Georgia to win 41 to 10. Like I thought they were going to, for the most part, dominate the football game, but you're down 24 to nothing at halftime. You're down 38 to nothing, 48 to nothing before you ever even score. Let's start first, Mike, with Georgia, right? Because I think you need to give them credit. You've got to tip your cap. There were questions about Georgia, especially on the defensive side coming in because they lost so much. But as you mentioned, man, they're the best team, at least right now, in college football. I mean, they they don't have a weakness, top to bottom. They are elite. Just talk about what you saw from Georgia. And, you know, it sounded like, again, you were talking off air. They maybe even have exceeded your expectations to this point.
2: Yeah, they certainly have. And it starts with Stetson Bennett, who, you know, I, I've said I think he deserves a statue outside of Sanford Stadium. When his career is done, how could you not? I mean, walk on to the national championship glory, snapped the uh, 41 streak. We all know the story, but my God, as he taking his game to another level. And that's not to say that, uh, you know, I I wish I could take credit for for this. I I saw it somewhere. I'd I'd give him a shout-out if I remember who said it. But Stetson Bennett's not the best player in the country, Mm -hmm. but he's maybe the most efficient in running that offense as efficiently as anybody in the country. So we got to hand it to him. It was just a masterful job there, Chris, by Georgia just coming out Rowdy environment, credit South Carolina and ESPN game day for delaying that kickoff because that 2001, the pregame hype, it exceeded expectations. I never even heard of something like that where we delay kickoff so that the nation can see it. And yet it exceeded that. And then about 10 minutes later, it didn't be better because Georgia, they're like surgeons on the field, just doing whatever the heck they want to the South Carolina defense and just Silence that crowd. So so efficient. Again, the the most efficient team in the country. I don't know what else you could say. And I'm hearing a lot of blowback. Um, you know, I'm not one of these, despite what people think, Chris, I'm not one of these hot takers that that thinks, you know, we gotta fire everybody and Marcus Satterfield, why why the hell's he still got a job on Monday? I mean, that does you no good unless you got, you know, a guy infinitely better, just seamlessly ready to come in there and take the job. I like to to have the season play out because hell you're sitting here one and two. What, ha- and I'm not saying this is going to happen. But what, what happens if you finish 10 and two, you'd look like a damn fool for saying, <laughs> you know, let's run off all these people here after three games. So we'll see how it plays out, but you know, we're kind of running out of excuses, particularly on the offensive line. I think that's South Carolina's biggest issue. And I know it, it's very easy to look at Spencer Rattler. He made some poor decisions in that ball game, but if you actually go back and watch it, I mean, he's just getting harassed all day long. the The tackles are abysmal for South Carolina, and I love Marshawn Lloyd. I love the story. I love that he's finally emerged. He's living up to the hype. But you go back and watch that game, I don't know what the hell he's doing. I mean, it's, I mean, surely they coach him to pass pro, but it, it don't look like it. I mean, he's not giving his his all on pass protection either. So I I, I don't want to call him out too much because, like I said, he's he's finally living up to that hype. He's he looks like a great player, but he's got to step up. With the offensive line struggling the way it is. I don't care if they had Bryce Young in Columbia right now. I don't think he'd be that effective. And hell, we're seeing Bryce Young struggle at Alabama because they can't protect him either. So I'm not writing off all my uh offseason hype of Spencer Rattler. I still think he's a good quarterback. Yes, he's made some some tough decisions, but once you get down in a ball game, you know, you you gotta force it. You gotta make it. you gotta force the issue because Otherwise, you know, if not for those plays, I mean, South Carolina had no shot in the ballgame. They, they didn't get those done, and they had no shot either uh, anyway. So just a rough, rough outing for South Carolina, and they have got to scheme around this offensive line a lot better than what they're doing right now.
0: Well, Mike, I want to switch it up with you because I think that's where most would expect me to start the conversation. That's what the conversation's been all week, right, is the offense and Marcus Satterfield. and But why don't we talk about the defense? I mean, we're talking about a defense that's given up 200 yards rushing to Georgia State. 295 to Arkansas, and 208 to Georgia. And again, I, I understand Arkansas and Georgia tip your cap. They're elites, but has only forced also one turnover in three games. Zero turnovers in two SEC games. How concerning is that when you look at the Gamecocks? Because again, like you've mentioned, right after the Arkansas game, I saw you saying this is like, well, Marcus Satterfield's not to blame for giving up 300 yards rushing, right? How concerned are you looking at the defensive side for South Carolina? Because that was my big Mike, I guess that was the thing I was looking for. This was a defense last year that was so opportunistic, really lived and died by the turnover. And when they're coming, it's great. But when they're not, I was concerned, how good is this defense really? And you've seen through the first three weeks, I mean, there are some glaring issues, especially if you're having to deal with the injury bug like they were against Georgia. Your overall thoughts on what you've seen on the defensive side from South Carolina.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's been poor. And the fact that – uh Hey, I've been hyping up Arkansas all offseason, but the way they played against Missouri State, that does not help South Carolina's <laughs> case that Arkansas is elite, which I still think they are, but like I said, it doesn't help their case. Uh You know, they just desperately miss, what was his name, Jalen Foster there yeah, in, in the Boston. defensive backfield. Uh, You know, he was just an incredible turnover machine last season. There's just not that guy, and, and you lose a guy like Cam Smith. I mean, where South Carolina's at in their – I don't know if you want to call it a rebuild or or whatever, but you know they just don't have another guy like that on the roster. So when you start to lose guys like that, you lose uh, Strahan, you lose uh, you know your, your middle linebacker. I mean, it's just these are not losses that South Carolina can sustain against the Georgia Bulldogs. So again, hey, Georgia's efficient as hell. I'm not overreacting to it, but yeah, it is a huge red flag. Now we'll see how they. The next two weeks, they should shut these teams down. If they don't shut these teams down, then we got a real problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was kind of the same thing. I, you know, you, it's not just South Carolina. You look at all all across the SEC. I was shouting from the mountaintops. I mean, look at A&M against Sam Houston State. Mm-hmm. Their offense was just dreadful. Mm-hmm. And those fans didn't want to hear it. We won 31-0. to What the hell are you talking about? Why are you upset uh, that, that A&M's not moving the ball well against Sam Houston? And then, of course, we knew what happened the next week. They lost to Appalachian. So I'm not sitting here saying that South Carolina is going to, going to lose their next two games, but these are the games you got to get that corrected because the SEC schedule is not the time to, to fix these issues.
0: Yeah, the SEC is certainly not the time to find yourself. That is a fact. You saw that on Saturday, right? Um, going back to the offensive side, of course, Mike, that's, that's what folks do want to focus on and talk about. And it, it all starts with, like you mentioned, the line of scrimmage, and that is why I think you're seeing Shane Beamer and company recruit it as hard as they are because most folks do want to pin it on Marcus Satterfield, and, and I'm certainly, by the way, I want to go on record. Like, I'm not some Marcus Satterfield stand where I'm singing his praises. He can do no wrong. It's It's none of his blame because there were some very questionable third-down calls in that game and just some decisions in regards to the creativity or lack thereof, but you're seeing plays on the field that either – because of Rattler, because of the line, whatever, they're not being made. There were opportunities against Georgia that did not happen. But, again, it all comes back to, like you mentioned, that offensive front. And I tend to agree with you, Mike. That's what people don't want to hear. They don't want to talk about because, you know, talking offensive line play, it's boring, right? It's it's not flashy. It's not fun. But this is a football team that hasn't had a ball carrier, I believe the stat is, a running back. They haven't had a running back rush for more than 40 yards in a game. I mean, when, when you can't run the ball any better than that, your entire offense, unless you're running the air raid, I feel like it's going to be just just completely thrown out of whack.
2: Right, and, and probably the most concerning of that though was the Georgia State, because I right. think I think Arkansas. I know them well enough, and, and you'll see even this weekend against A and M. Even though A and M not that good on offense, they're going to try to attack Arkansas through the air because they got real issues in that secondary. So that game plan makes made a hell of a lot of sense. Spencer Rattler and these receivers, and we saw. There was many plays to be made against that Arkansas secondary Georgia you know maybe maybe you commit more to the run obviously what you tried didn't work because you couldn't pass pro but yeah so I I don't know if I'm reading too much into that but like I said that Georgia State is that those are a huge huge red flag and at some point Chris I mean you got a veteran offensive line they're all back and this is you know they're not world beaters I understand that but these are not garbage two-stars that they they got on their roster either. So this is two years of this, and at some point, you know, someone's got to be held accountable. you got to coach up this offensive line a little bit better than what we've seen, um, and, and it's time for them to take over because that was the talk in the preseason. Um, you know, I talked to Javon Quinn. They they seemed like they were fired up for the season. It was turning around, Shane Beamer, same thing, but yet it, it's it's the same old results that we don't want to be seeing, and I don't know – if you if you can't scheme around that, you're not going to go to a bowl game. I don't think there's any question of that. Uh, Spencer Rattler, you know, people are are maybe disappointed with him. Good luck winning ball games if if he gets hurt, and I hope that doesn't happen. But that's that's what's going to happen if they don't get any better protecting him.
0: Yeah, two touchdowns, five interceptions. That's the stat line for Rattler to this point. Um, you know, you kind of led me, Mike, into my next question. Just your overall thoughts on his play, because I feel like every week I'm getting asked the same question of you know do you feel like he's lived up to the hype do you feel like he's lived up to the expectations and i guess that kind of depends on what your level of hype and expectations were for him in the preseason um he hasn't played as well as i would have liked to have seen obviously but neither has any part of the offense so when you look at him i mean i'm i'm still the same as you mike i mean i i joke with people but it's serious i wouldn't rock his name on my merchandise and i wouldn't rock it openly out there if i didn't believe that he could be a really really good player for us um your thoughts on him, though, his play thus far, and again, I feel like you and I are kind of similar in the sense that I certainly, far from giving up on Spencer Rattler, I still think, and this team's best opportunity to turn it around and have success is with him under center.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous to suggest otherwise. I mean, he's, he's about all you got right now, and yeah, he's been inconsistent. He's not quite lived up to the hype, but again, Bryce Young wouldn't – be doing too well. He's not doing too well with a struggling offensive line. So again, you know, you can't blame it all on the offensive line because there's some really bad decisions by Spencer Rattler. But I think he, you know, the clock in his head is, is so short, he's, he's forcing the issue. But you know, where's Josh Van been? Jaheim Bell. I don't think we're scheming up enough to get him touches. Uh, but you know, Juice Wells. I mean, he's had a strong start to the season. That's got to count for something, and that's in large part. Spencer rather. he's missed a couple of these deep shots against Arkansas. You hit a couple of those. Maybe it's a different ball game. Maybe even upset mm-hmm. Arkansas. There were plays to be made that that weren't getting made. Uh, but you know, it's too early to throw in the towel on him. But but you see that there was there was plays made in the Georgia State game that were just like, my God, can you can you believe the talent this guy has? We've not seen enough of that. But again, we're we're three games into the season. Uh, I think. You're going to see a lot uh, – you know, you know this This was my favorite thing about Spencer Rattler, and this is going to sound crazy. <laughs> this is going to sound like I'm sucking up to him real bad. But what people don't know – everybody knows he, he lost his job at Oklahoma to, to Caleb Williams. What people don't know, because I don't think they actually go back and watch the games, he got benched another time at Oklahoma. And he responded by playing the best football he's ever played in his life. So this is a guy that knows how to deal – with tough situations he knows how to you know a lot of these quarterbacks they come in with all this hype and they get benched they're just never the same again he has bounced back he's got he knows what adversity is like and he and he has met that and he's faced a lot of adversity in his short uh college career so i don't, I don't think these this net you know this rough patch is going to to really rock him or anything i think it you know this is just kind of like nfl mindset and i think that's what they're preaching to him at south carolina you're gonna have Games like you had against Georgia, but you gotta get right back up because the next team, I know, I know on the schedule is not, but the next when I'm talking SEC schedule, you're gonna face one elite team after another. You even if you have a great game, you can't get too high because the next the next opponent will humble you in a damn second in the in the SEC. So I like that mindset that he's been able to bounce back and I think he
0: will. Mike, you bring up that SEC schedule, and, and certainly I'm not, you know, trying to look ahead past the next two weeks because I, I agree with you. They're great opportunities, and South Carolina has to take advantage of them beating down Charlotte and SC State, like you mentioned. Those are games you have to go out and dominate your opponent, and if you don't, we got a whole other set of issues. But the, the beautiful thing is, from our perspective, right, we we don't have to have the athlete take or the coach's take of, like, you know, we're locked in this week. We can look ahead. We can project. We can forecast, whatever. And so when you get back into SEC play, and I, I, I – where did you have carolina in the preseason do you have six and six seven and five were you somewhere in that that range for predictions or
2: yeah I, well I, to be honest with you chris i don't really do record predictions but okay. I, I i do obviously the media the win ballot. Totals. um no well <laughs> even that i don't I, we throw it out there but i don't I really you. make okay. official okay. predictions so what i did i had them fourth in the sec east ahead okay. of kentucky in my media ballot um i'm just not a big record guy i mean yeah, I mean, six to six to eight is yeah. inaccurate of, of where I kind of had them.
0: Okay, gotcha. I, I guess I just bring that up because, you know, you look at, let's just say the Vegas over-under and it's six and a half, whatever, but you, you look at the next two weeks, you should dominate your opponent. It, it feels like to me and for a lot of Gamecock fans, this season will come to a head in Lexington, Kentucky in regards to – Which direction is your season going to go? You know, I called it the greatest inflection point in the preseason. But what's so interesting, Mike, is you look at this schedule. And, and you know, South Carolina obviously hasn't been here very long, but Shane Beamer, they have not beaten a ranked opponent, right, yet under his his reign as head coach. You're probably going to have to do that to get to six, definitely seven wins, because you look at the schedule. Kentucky, at least right now, Kentucky, Texas A&M, Florida, Tennessee, obviously Clemson. Like those teams are all ranked. You know what I mean? The only ones that aren't Mizzou and Vandy, which, you know, you need to win those games obviously, but, uh, you know, you look down the stretch. I I really do feel like in a couple of weeks, Mike, and I know Kentucky will be favored and, and maybe people think I'm crazy. And obviously you told me off air, the Kentucky folks are having some fun with my comments and they certainly will continue to do so if their success over Carolina continues. But, uh, you know, that is one that I think is so pivotal for this season if the Gamecocks are going to, let's say, just hit the over-win total and over-achieve, if you will, the preseason expectations.
2: Yeah, and, and you know, you completely overlook Tennessee. I know you – they are – I didn't most, mention
0: Tennessee. I know they're ranked. I, they're I didn't, ranked, I apologize. but I was
2: okay. I was just going to say they're, they'll be top five by the time um, they play <laughs> South Carolina there in November. But, yeah, I mean, that Kentucky game looms large. Now, here's the deal. I mean, you've got all the – I think South Carolina's got big potential to beat them, Mm -hmm. but, but hell, we, we say this every year and they don't get it done against Kentucky. So, I mean, it's, it's very, very difficult. And that's a big reason why I had them over Kentucky in my SEC East ballot. I thought they would probably beat them, but it's kind of like this weekend coming up, Tennessee, Florida, you know, until you see it, it's kind of hard to believe it, Mm. but they, all the pieces are there. And I know it, you know, again, Kentucky people think I hate them because I I I just give my honest opinion. And if you go back and watch, heck they played Youngstown State last weekend Now now they blanked them. I think it was 31 to 0. So you you can't really pick apart the overall performance, but the rushing is just not there. Mm-hmm. 2.9 yards per carry on this is Youngstown. Mm-hmm. I don't I couldn't name one player on their they don't have one SEC player. They allowed four sacks. They when they're getting down to the goal, the goal line Kentucky They're on the two-yard line. They can't run the ball. They can't run it in. It's like the steel curtain of Youngstown. They have to throw the ball. Will Levis had a two-yard touchdown pass. He had a three-yard touchdown pass. And another one, he got intercepted. Same deal because they just they physically cannot run it in on Youngstown. Now, Chris Rodriguez, we know he's suspended. So that's what all the Kentucky fans are pointing to when we're getting Chris Rodriguez back. I mean, I, I guess he's going to play offensive line too because that's the issue in Kentucky. They had three offensive linemen go to the NFL bringing in transfers. They got a freshman up there. Now, maybe they'll get that corrected. I mean, Mark Stoops, that's kind of what they do up there. They develop offensive lines. So we we got to give him some benefit of the doubt. But this is this is Miami of Ohio they couldn't block. Right. This is Florida for half a game they couldn't block. If I know the, in the second half against Florida, they adjusted. But all of a sudden, that doesn't look as impressive because, hell, South Florida just ran for, for nearly 300 yards on uh, Florida Gators and, and – I don't know. I, I mean, I think that's a, that's a real, real issue. It's, it's maybe the two worst offensive lines in the SEC going to battle when <laughs> South Carolina-Kentucky face-off. So I don't know what that says, but I, but I think it's going to come down to, you know, which quarterback can outdo one another. And I know Will Levis is this, you know, for some reason, everybody's hyping him up as the number one overall pick. I think he's a good college player. Maybe he will be an NFL quarterback, but, he, you know, I see a lot of Spencer Rattler in him. We're kind of up and down, turnovers not making all the best decisions, but they do have great talent. Um, you know, it, it may be as simple as, as who has the better game in, in that matchup, and I, I certainly would not rule out South Carolina winning, even though it is at Kentucky, and even though, for whatever reason, they just can't beat them, them Wildcats.
0: Yeah. And it's been a struggle in Lexington too. If you go back and look at the history of the series, I mean, South Carolina has not won there since 2012. And even when the Gamecocks were beating Kentucky on a yearly basis, those games were always really, really close. And they lost a few of them for sure. Uh, Mike, a little bit switching gears and, you know, I, part of me, I can't believe I'm asking you this question, but uh, you know, it's, it's the pressures of the sec and it just happens and emotions start running wild and fans go crazy. And so you lose the way you did to Georgia and, um, some people start to question Shane Beamer. And I guess I'm really intrigued. One of the reasons, Mike, I like talking to you so much is because you're not giving your perspective from a Gamecock scope. You're giving it from just the national unbiased, which I think is really healthy. And it's the perspective that I personally like to hear. Um, it's only year two. Again, I know the question sounds ridiculous, but I just want to hear your thoughts on Shane Beamer, his progress right now at South Carolina. Um, It's very tough. I mean, it's extremely competitive. When when you look at Josh Heupel, Billy Napier, Mark Stoops, you know, what George is doing, Um, everybody else, Sam Pittman. Right. I think that's where some fans find some struggles because they see the success of Heupel's having. They see the success of Pittman's having. And, you know, after you lose 48 to 7, right, you start blaming everything. And of course, Shane Beamer, unfortunately, has caught some of that this week. But I just want to give you an opportunity to talk. Shane Beamer, your thoughts on him as a head football coach at South Carolina and and just moving forward, uh, how you see him, I guess, faring there?
2: Well, I think he fits South Carolina like a globe. So, I mean, he's got that going for him. Now, yeah, you could say the same thing about Coach O. We saw what happened to him. Of course, he won a national championship. So, I think the, any South Carolina fan would take a national championship and fire the coach a couple years later, they'd they'd still call that a victory. And and it is because, you know, that's, that's such a a high mountain to climb, but you know, I think the jury is still out on on Shane Beamer, to be honest with you. I think, you know, obviously you look at some of the the position coaches he's hired, like the special teams quarter. I think, um, I think Justin Stepp is one of the best assistant coaches in, in college football. I mean, I think Montario Hardesty I he, I believe he had an opportunity to go back to Tennessee and he's stayed at South Carolina. I mean, th- these hires don't come with some coach that don't know what the hell he's doing. And I th- I think in in his brief time Shane Beamer has shown that uh you know, while he's still learning on the job that he is he's got the stuff that it takes to win in the SEC. And I love the fact that he's got connections all over college football now the biggest question and it may determine the fate in columbia of shane beamer um i got a friend in the in the coaching world he helps he's he's actually gotten one of the sec coaches hired one of his biggest models is don't hire your buddies and don't hire your family Mm -hmm. and i think shane beamer may have made a mistake again i'm not sitting here firing coaches we got after a couple weeks on the job but Marcus Satterfield and Shane Beamer, from what I understand, I mean, he, they were in each other's wedding party. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a big, big red flag. Um, now, it'd be a little bit different if he hired, uh, you know, Josh Heupel and, and they were going up and down the field. And this is his buddy. That, that's a different story, because how objective can he be? How long of a leash is he going to give Marcus Satterfield? It's probably going to be very, very long. You have to imagine with that relationship. And again, I'm not sitting here saying they need to fire this guy immediately, but with the upgrade at quarterback, with the upgrade at weapons, with the upgrade at running back, even if the offensive line is struggling, if the offense at the end of the season is, is matching what we have now, then I think you, you got to fire your offensive coordinator. So I'll put that out there. And I'm, I don't know if Shane Beamer will do that or not. So I think that will go a long way to to determining it. Like if he had Kendall Briles – which I know there's a back. I've said this before. that There's a backstory, so maybe you don't want to go that route. But if you had someone like that, who Arkansas's got, I think South Carolina could contend for the SEC East in a hurry. Um, but th- that remains a big, big question. But I love the. I love the way he's recruiting, and yeah, I mean he's got to. He's got to win some ranked games, no doubt. But I don't think it's a heck. We're not even a season and a half into uh, his tenure here, so. I'm not quite judging him on that, but I think what what he really needs to do is, you know, I don't know how far of a slide Clemson has really taken. I think they're massively overrated, but they don't seem to be as good and they keep missing on these quarterbacks, at least from what I've seen. You got to beat them. You you know, you got to flip that one and you don't have to beat them every year. You don't have to beat them six, five, six, seven years in a row like Spurrier did but you got to make that a more competitive ball game and I think at Williams Bryce Stadium you got to beat Clemson more often than you lose to them and if he can't do that then yeah they're gonna have to make a change there
0: yeah Mike I appreciate you taking the time and it's always a pleasure last thing before I get you out of here really quickly who right now is the third best team in the SEC
2: I'd say Arkansas still even uh despite the the issues there against uh missouri state and i'll tell you why chris i mean i think in college football one of the most important things you can do run the ball when the defense knows you're going to run it because every team comes into these situations can you get that done i don't have tennis faith in tennessee to do it sure as hell don't have faith in a and m to do it right now uh, but arkansas is elite on the offensive line they got a three-headed monster at running back kj jefferson is a he's a dang truck back there. So yeah, I think Arkansas will be my answer, but Hey, Tennessee's right there. A&M, they, they, heck, you know, I, I'm scared to death to pick this Arkansas A&M game. Cause I think it, it really could go either way if, if A&M plays up to their potential, but yeah, I think for right now and, and Kentucky fans are, they think they deserve in that to be in that conversation, but it goes back to what I said. Can you run? Hell you know, they can't run when they have to against Youngstown. So no, I, I think Kentucky is a, is a, not in that conversation at this point in time. Mm.
0: Michael Bratton, That SEC Podcast. You can check out his work on social media at Michael W. Bratton, SEC Mike, and That SEC Podcast, At That SEC Podcast. You guys be sure to follow. It's always fantastic work and always a fantastic conversation with you, Mike. I appreciate you taking the time.
2: Yeah, anytime, Chris. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. He's Mike Bratton. I'm Chris so We appreciate you guys tuning in and we'll catch you next time on another episode of the Spurs Up Show.
1: Oh,